fortified. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am Bird. This is soon to be Jake. Today, we will be talking about, I know I promised and said we were going to be doing the running backs. Well, I lied. Running backs will be coming. But today, because Jake and I were just so excited to do this show, we just decided to move it on up a little bit. We are going to be talking about the NFL draft quarterbacks and the prospects that will be coming out in the 2023 draft, which, Jake, we are officially under one month until round one of the NFL draft. First, sir, how are you? Second of all, how excited are you to talk about the quarterbacks today? Doing well, bud. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, quarterbacks. Definitely a good year to draft a quarterback, I think. I think there's a good amount of teams that need a quarterback. I think there could be some teams not necessarily playing their hand with the demand for quarterbacks in this draft, but I think it's a really strong year, a night and day from last year. And I think if you take away Trevor Lawrence in the 2021 draft, I think you can make a case for about two or three of these guys being the QB two of that draft. Sure. Sure. And I, I think that's uh it shows the strengths of this class. And there are some, some downsides to each of these quarterbacks. There's not a, there's not a perfect prospect like there was with, a Peyton Manning or an Andrew Luck or, 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 or Trevor Lawrence, you know, there's not that standout go-to rock solid locked and loaded guy, but there are very, very good franchise pieces in this draft for teams, as Jake alluded to, that are trying to solve their quarterback puzzle. So without further ado, let's get right to it so the way we normally do this for those of you that are new and for those of you that are new uh go check out the other two episodes that jake and i have already done we have covered the uh the tackles in this class then we have also gone for the interior offensive linemen both of those episodes are already out and available so you can consume those um after you've listened to this one so jake the way we normally do this of course for you know this but for the new listeners uh, we give our top five in order, and then we provide a sleeper to discuss at the end. So uh, since you went first last week, I'll go first this week. I'll give you my five, and you can give me your five, and then we can have a nice, ripe old discussion. And I'm sure that we will have some differences unlike last week. So my number five, I've gone for... Hayden, Hayden Hooker out of Tennessee. My four, I've gone for Anthony Richardson out of Florida. My number three, I've gone with Will Levis out of Kentucky. My number two, I've gone for Bryce Young out of Alabama. And my number one, I've gone for CJ Shroud of the Ohio State University. And my sleeper, which we always give for our positions, I've gone with Clayton Toon out of the University of Houston. All right. Yeah, definitely some differences there. Um, my number five is Will Levis from Kentucky. Yep. My number four is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Number three is Anthony Richardson from the University of Florida. Number two, Bryce Young out of Alabama. And that number one illustrious spot, I went with CJ Stroud. And as my sleeper, I went with Stetson Bennett from Georgia. Okay. Okay, so 
obviously, I mean, there's there is a quarterback that I want to talk about eventually as as probably the uh, the best best of the rest guy. But we'll talk about him. We'll talk about him not, later. And not, the guy that I'm the guy that I'm alluding yeah, to is Tanner McKay. Yeah, no, I, I I think Stetson's number six. To be completely honest with you. Hmm. Okay. All right. So we'll definitely have the Tanner McKee conversation uh, a bit later on. But uh, let's start right at the top with uh, C.J. Stroud, our consensus number one uh, quarterback. Jake, what was the one thing with C.J. Stroud as a non-Ohio State guy before I go on and on and on as the Ohio State guy here? Uh, what was the one thing with C.J. Stroud that you saw on film or the couple things that you saw on, on film with C.J. Stroud that really – led you to say that he is the number one quarterback in this class. Yeah, honestly, Ohio State has had their gripes with me over the years. We had Justin Fields last year uh, in 2021. Yep. We had the, the Ohio State receivers last year who I wasn't too high on. It turned out to be pretty wrong on that, but I, I'm, I'm glad I was. But um, with C.J. Stroud, best pure thrower of the football in the whole class. I don't even think it's close, to be completely honest with you. I think there's not a throw on the field that he can't make. And I think his pocket presence stands out. That There's another guy that's pretty up there, too, in this class that we'll talk about, I'm sure, today. But C.J. Stroud steps right up in the pocket, doesn't get phased, doesn't, you know, a lot of you see a lot of times with these quarterback prospects, they really drift right and they think they're buying time and they're only making things more difficult on them. C.J. Stroud doesn't do that. He stays there in the pocket and he repeats the same throwing motion. And there's really no hitches or anything where you watch on film and go, eh, I didn't really like that right there. His feet were all over the place. Front shoulder flew open. That's why that five-yard out route flew. C.J. Stroud is the most consistent passer, and you really look at his whole body of work as a whole. He didn't really have a bad performance this year. Yeah, you could point to the first night of the year. Notre Dame defense is pretty good. Marcus Freeman-led team. They've given a lot of people fits over the years. He wasn't great, but I didn't think he was bad. He still found a way to come back and win that game. Eventually, it was a highly competitive game between two really good programs. Yeah, the Michigan game, not great. It was really a bad half, if anything. I thought the first half he was fine. I I think his defense did him no favors in that game either. I don't think you can pin that all on C.J. Stroud. And then the game, I hate to sound like uh, a kind of just prisoner of the moment, but Look what he did to the Georgia Bulldogs. Ohio State should have won that game solely because of C.J. Stroud. And a lot of people like to knock C.J. Stroud and say, well, listen, he's got a first-round receiver and next year's number one receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know. I was seeing C.J. Stroud put a lot of passes right on the money to these guys when they were highly covered in a lot of situations. And, you know, he really elevated his whole supporting cast at Ohio State. And honestly, I don't even think he was used properly, Ohio State. I think he could have used some more design runs. I think he's a much better athlete than maybe the coaches thought. Maybe they were trying to protect him. Maybe he was just such a good thrower of the football. They didn't want to explore that element of his game. I, I think C.J. Stroud is a great prospect. I look at all the quarterbacks that we've been looking at over the last couple of years. I think outside of Lawrence, Joe Burrow for me, Herbert I was really big on. I can't really find another quarterback as a thrower of the football, especially that C.J. Stroud isn't better than. So I agree with almost everything that you said. Um, I think if you're looking for, as Jake alluded to, if you're looking for your prototypical quarterback that has the right size, the arm strength, the elite accuracy that you that you want in a thrower, the ability to really have command of the pocket, C.J. Stroud is exactly that. And the release that he has in the ball, he has some zip on, on his He's got throws. a nice fastball. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he de- he definitely does. There are, there are times where he really 
rifles it in there and, and you know, you're kind of watching and you're saying to yourself, all right, could maybe he had taken a little bit off of that. But I think I I would rather have a quarterback that has more zip than less zip, if, if that makes any sort of sense. If you're a strict numbers guy, you look at the numbers that C.J. Stroud put up while at Ohio State. Uh, he was sensational numbers across the board. Uh, endless series of Big Ten awards and, of course, was nominated for the Heisman Trophy. The thing with C.J. for me that separates him from maybe being in that not close, not in that discussion, but close to being in that like perfect prospect conversation is – Jake alluded to it, the elusiveness that he thinks that that CJ is a better athlete than maybe what he showed. I would agree with that. But what we did see on film is that he did not show that elusiveness that well. Uh, He struggled to get outside the pocket. And really, when he was under pressure, uh, CJ kind of folded a little bit over the course of 2022 and in 2021 uh, as well. The semifinal game against Georgia, that I think really did so much for his stock because everything that I just mentioned as for the downsides potentially of C.J. Stroud is where he excelled in that semifinal game. So when you're watching C.J., yes, there are loads of good things that you're going to see spread out over his entire reel. But the bad things, which is really where I, I I zero in mostly, the bad things were gone in that CFP semifinal, and the bad things were there at times throughout the the entire season. So it's really it's a, it's a tale of two tapes, honestly, with 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 CJ Stroud. But I think the number one thing that that the, the, just the bottom line is he is the likely number one pick. He should be the number one pick in my estimation. Uh, Carolina's going to get themselves a a hell of a player if they stick at number one overall. But I don't know if he's the kind of guy that is going to go out there and win a game by himself. I think he needs help in that regard. And I think Carolina, believe it or not, I actually think it's a pretty good situation for him. Uh, That defense is very, very, very good. And if they can get themselves a top-tier quarterback, they're right in contention to potentially win the NFC South with how bad it is and how significantly weaker it has gotten with the departure of Tom Brady from Tampa. The division is wide open. Carolina can get themselves a quarterback, potentially win that division. CJ Stroud could definitely be the guy that goes in there and you could see Carolina making a significant bounce in year one with CJ Stroud, Frank Reich, and the whole new uh, regime on the field there in, in Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I thought the escapability was fine. I don't think it was as bad as you may have, implied i think a lot of it was just due to cj wanting to throw if that makes sense and having a lot of confidence in himself the thing with him that i guess you would kind of knock him for for not being that perfect prospect while he has a live arm didn't necessarily have the strongest arm for me particularly on deep balls i think he needs a little bit of work there but between the numbers there's nobody better than cj stroud in this class it's not even close and that's why you saw him come out to play in that game against George, because in the big moments and when it matters the most, and this is what really separates him from his former Ohio state peer, Justin Fields, when those moments become really close, you need to be able to put it between the numbers and make the layups and routine passes. And it sounds very stupid and very silly, but you need to take what the defense gives you. And if you can't do that, you are not going to be a successful quarterback in this league. 
And that's what CJ Stroud's ready to do right away. I think he's ready to play right away in Carolina with Frank Reich. They have a few guys there, right? They signed Thielen and Shark. Hopefully they draft another receiver there in Carolina. And they're, they're going to be full steam ahead because he's ready to play right away. I don't think he needs to sit or anything like that. I think that that kid's ready to to go. I don't. I think you're going to see him have a really nice year next year also. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I think he's, if you're, and this goes for any of the quarterbacks, not just CJ Stroud, but I think any of these young quarterbacks are really going to benefit from going to Carolina and being able to work with arguably one of the best offensive minds and best quarterback crafters in the entire National Football League in Frank Reich, regardless of the spell that he had in Indianapolis as head coach. You got to remember, he also had that spell in Philadelphia where he crafted and really was the reason why Carson Wentz almost won MVP. And Carson Wentz was what, like a 24 and seven guy his year in Indianapolis. That's, that's pretty well done. And if they would have just beat the Jaguars last game of the year, Carson Wentz would still be the quarterback and Frank Wright would still be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. So I agree with you. And honestly, a lot of teams looking for the quarterbacks have offensive coaches for the most part, which is a nice situation to be in. If you're a young prospect for sure. So let's talk about the our consensus number two. That is Bryce Young. The thing with Bryce Young is he does everything very, very, very well, much like C.J. Stroud. There really aren't too many flaws in his game as a passer. Uh, he, I think he does have that ability to get outside the pocket a little bit better than C.J. Stroud does. At least that's what I saw on film is that the mobility was there. The football IQ is sky high for him. The biggest concern that I have with Bryce Young is the availability, the durability, because he did he has missed time with injuries in the past, mainly this year. And he is going to now downgrade, no matter what he does, going from Alabama with that offensive line that he had in front of him to now going into the NFL. Is he going to have an offensive line that is going to protect him in the way that the Alabama offensive line did for him within the SEC? And obviously, it's a step up from college to the NFL. The pass rushers are a lot bigger. They are a lot more experienced. They are a lot more polished than they are in college. So that is a big concern for me as can Bryce Young take those hits, know he's going to get back up, and is not going to have significant issues with with injuries, but to project injuries, it's not the business that I really want to be in. Uh, but the durability is a big time concern. They have to keep him upright. Um, it's kind of like a one, a one B for me between CJ and Bryce young in terms of who the number one quarterback in the class is. I just was more impressed whole scale with, uh, CJ Stroud's film more than I was with Bryce young, but that is no knock on Bryce young. Cause he is an outstanding prospect. Yeah, for me, it wasn't really close between the two. I thought C.J. Stroud was far and away the better prospect. Interesting. Um, yeah, for me, Bryce Young just isn't dynamic enough for me from either aspect of playing quarterback. He doesn't have the most live arm. He's not the most dynamic athlete. I'm not really just going based off the size. It's just just me watching. I'm not even looking at the testing or anything like that. The thing that really impressed me a lot with Bryce Young was the decision-making and the throwing with anticipation, which you know I'm really high on, and the style of of offense they play obviously at Alabama is a pro style offense led by Bill O'Brien who's now the the Patriots offensive coordinator so you know he's well schooled from that regard the thing with 
that I would be concerned about a lot with Bryce Young is he is a guy that you kind of need not everything to be perfect like you saw with Mac Jones coming out of Alabama, but he needs help in my in my opinion. He needs a go-to receiver. He needs a strong running game, a strong running game especially because I don't think he's the type of guy where he can go out there with lawn chairs right away and he'll make something work like we saw with a lot of other younger quarterbacks, like a Joe Burrow, for instance, his rookie year, and then obviously minus Jamar Chase with that offensive line. He elevated the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not what Bryce Young's going to do with the Texans. But again, we talk about it. Nice throw of the football, nice mechanics. I don't see anything that really needs to be cleaned up from that perspective. Under pressure, I thought Bryce Young really thrived as well. To me, needs the right offense and also needs players around him to really meet his potential. But yeah, I think he's, I think CJ is for me, the clear cut number one while, and while I think Bryce Young is a nice prospect, I think he is the clear cut number two. I think there is a big drop off from not only, maybe not so much from a ceiling perspective, but abilities as of right now. But as a pure projection, maybe there's a guy or two that I think can get there with Bryce Young and maybe even a little bit closer to CJ over time. But right now, you can't tell me that there's two better throwers of the football and two guys that are just better at playing quarterback than CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. No way. Yeah, I, and I, I couldn't agree anymore. Those, these are the two top prospects at the position by far and away as – Highlighted by the way we rank them. We have them both yeah. one and two. And then after that, it definitely gets more cloudy and open to interpretation. I think Bryce Young did also have a game or two where it didn't help his stock at all, where they were they were bad games. Whereas with CJ, I didn't really think he had a bad game. Uh, the LSU game for Bryce Young for me was not good. Mm-hmm. That was, and also, you know, hey, we got to give credit to LSU. What were they, the fifth ranked team in the country for a long yes. time? Brian Brian Kelly, who I've I've had my uh, my issues with before in the past yes. as a noted as an Irish fan, but he's a good football coach. At the end of the day, they get a ton of great recruits over there, particularly on the defensive end. Um, and then the Texas game, I, I thought was not very good either. The Texas team did they did turn out to be better than we thought, but at the time, sure. weren't very good. But while while that was going on, it's just and also last year's film, I thought for Bryce Young was also a lot better than this year. I thought last year he looked more like, wow, this is a blue chip caliber prospect. Sure. Whereas this year for me, it was, yeah, he's a little bit more in line with his peer, CJ Stroud. And we, we you know, what I'm saying we need to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and listen, I, and I know that there also are people that are. Uh, concerned with the size and, and everything like that. The size yeah. thing doesn't really bother me because we, we've seen small quarterbacks succeed in the NFL. I mean, I'm not saying that he is of this caliber. He That's not my player comp for him or by any means, but Drew Brees, there was the same concerns with him and the durability issues. What happened with Drew Brees? He turned out to be a generational quarterback uh, quarterback for in the, in the National Football League. And then the same thing went for Russell Wilson. And I, and I understand that you know, we're not we weren't talking about uh Russell Wilson as a potential number two, if not number one overall pick, but the comparisons are definitely there when you start, you know, uh, for lack of a better phrase and pun not intended, when you start, you know, really shrinking it down. Yeah, I hate to do player comps. I really do. Yeah, I do too. I I, I don't but do it. 
I did see with better escapability, in my opinion, and a, and a better athlete. He he did remind me a lot of Baker throwing the football, and I like hmm. Baker's ability to just purely throw out of college. I don't think that's really such a knock with Bryce Young, but you know, threading he he does a lot of great things throwing. There's no doubt about it. It's just there's some other things in his game that kind of limit the ceiling for me, and he's just. Yeah, while he's a good thrower of the football, he's not C.J. Stroud for me. So I want to save probably the uh, the more I don't know what the word that I'm that I'm looking for is. I guess more heated conversation that we that we may have for the last one. So let's go to Will Levis out of the University of Kentucky. I have I have him at three. Jake has him at five. Jake, why Will Levis at five? I mean, talk about inconsistent. He was he was all over the place. You know, when I look at and, and consistency is a huge thing for me because and I'm not going to play the cliche where a lot of other people do where they say, oh, well, why didn't he start over Sean Clifford at Penn State? Well, you know, maybe the kid got a little bit better after Penn State. You ever think of that? Maybe it just wasn't the right fit for him mentally. I don't know what the hell he was going through at Penn State. That's not really my argument. My argument is where you watch a game and you go, wow, that was a really great throw. He moved he, he on the run, just threw that ball about 30 yards off his back foot. Holy cow, how did he do that? And then two plays later, oh, five yard out. Why is that, why is that throw high and away? Oh, well, if you look at his mechanics, his feet are not set. His shoulder is just flying open like the freaking gate on a windy day. You got to make those throws. Those are the layups and those are the routine throws that need to be cleaned up for me. And you also look at the decision-making. It wasn't the best for me. I think there was a lot of interceptable balls that he threw that weren't intercepted. I know that, what was he about? Like he had like seven interceptions. I looked at the stats pretty briefly. Seven picks, yes. Yeah, I saw a lot more interceptable balls, particularly against zone coverage is where he struggled the most for me. And you know in the NFL – how many teams play the Tampa three, uh, Tampa two, cover three? Teams have to in this day and age. The receivers are just far too good. You don't have corners that are good enough that can go man to man. I mean, how many teams have one good corner, let alone two or three? It's just a lost art. So he needs to sit back and learn. I think reading defenses was a little bit of an issue for him, as well as so many inconsistencies in his throwing motion. He has a lot to clean up, but there's good news. There's a lot to like, too. It's not like I'm saying that this kid is just, uh, you can't draft this kid. I think he's a first-round pick. Top 20, I, I maybe for the demand, he'll, he'll go in the top 20, but I just can't put him over my other guys on the list. He was far and away the most inconsistent prospect for me, honestly. So I think with 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 Levis and maybe where you and I are, are, are definitely different. And this is, this isn't even the most uh, controversial one that we're going to talk about because there is one that definitely is going to be more controversial where we are on the opposite sides of the coin. But I think with, with, with Levis, the physical tools are outstanding. Like if you want him, if you want your prototypical huge pocket presence, Will Levis is your guy. And maybe this is like, this is, it's not the same, but I've seen this comp and I hate to use the comps as a crutch, but a few He's years not ago, Josh Allen. 
He's not Josh. You had Allen. the Josh Allen conversation. It's, it's, I. It's not even. It's not even a comparison, bro. No. No, 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 no. But what I'm what I'm saying is very similar. Very similar in terms of Josh Allen was a close to finished product, needed to clean some things up. There wasn't huge things that needed to be improved with Josh Allen, at least where I came from. With Will Levis, there are a lot of things that need to be cleaned up. I agree with you 100% when you say the footwork was horrendous. Horrific. Her, terrible. It's just inconsistent. It's like he doesn't repeat anything, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. He rushes his throws, which I don't love. And he thinks this is the thing with big armed quarterbacks, right? And you can tell me if I'm wrong when I say this, but we saw it with Josh Allen a little bit. And then we saw it early on with Mahomes, but he definitely cleaned cleaned it up very quickly. We saw this with Zach Wilson his rookie year and even sure. last year. Sure. Where these quarterbacks that think they have the big arms think that arm talent is what's going to win at the end of the day. In college, maybe that's the case, but not in the National Football League. Now, with the with the interceptions thing, I think it, that comes down to – it's one of two things. I mean, there were absolutely throws that he made where I was like, oh, bro, Will, what are you doing? But then on the other hand, it comes down to the talent that was around him as well. There were definitely throws that he made that were close to being picked off or picked off. Because you had receivers that were running wrong routes, weren't catching passes, were dropping passes, batting balls up into the air, the whole bit. Um, the biggest thing that that I have concerns with with, with Levis, even though I, I love him because, I mean, anybody who knows uh, me and the way that I look at quarterbacks is if you're a quarterback you can throw, and you can throw a ball out of a gym, uh, odds are I'm going to fall in love with you. And that's really Will Levis's MO is that he could just throw the ball a country mile. The arm strength is ridiculous. The release is ridiculous. And his overall feel for the game, I think, is very, very, very natural. The accuracy is fine. I just wonder with him, the reading the defenses thing is very, very, very key. But I agree with you. He's got to sit. And not to mention, you touched on this, when he was at Penn State, he could not beat out Sean Clifford. And Sean Clifford is not that good. So what happened with James Franklin at Penn State with Sean Clifford where he could not win that job at Penn State, had to go to Kentucky, and was fine by by all measures at Kentucky, inconsistent for sure. He is by far and away, and this is including Anthony Richardson, Hendon Hooker, uh, he is by far the biggest boomer bust prospect in this entire class, without a doubt where you're either going to get a consistent Pro Bowl quarterback, talking about him in three, four years as one of the top quarterbacks in the game because of the way that he's able to throw the ball, uh, he's able to improve, the footwork improves, being able to pick up blitzes, pick up coverages, that all improves. Or we're talking about him being another guy that just had a cannon for an arm but couldn't do the rest of the things required out of a out of a quarterback. I like Levis. I think he's going to be going uh, top 10 in my most recent mock. I had him going 16th, but that's in a mock where there are no trades. I definitely do see Levis being a top 10 pick. And I know we even spoke about this, uh, you and I, Jake, that I believe that there is a chance that four of the first five picks in this draft could all very well be quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree with you there. The demand is is definitely um, present. For quarterbacks, a lot sure. of teams need to win now. Another thing with Levis, though, 
I, and just kind of how I look at the quarterback position, I just think that a lot of, and this is a lot of times this is the case where if you, if just the basic things are not coming naturally to you in college, they're not coming naturally because things are, the game is a thousand times faster in the NFL and it becomes much more mentally sped up, if that makes sense. And you see this all the time where the game just might be too fast for someone. Like, I think that was a big thing with Zach Wilson that a lot of people, including the two of us who like Zach coming out of college that year, Mm -hmm. definitely missed on. You see this a lot with baseball pitchers, too, where they can throw the ball, you know, 90-something miles an hour and then throwing to first base or to bases, they, you know, sail throws because, you know, a lot of times also on these short, intermediate, all right, here you go, take what the defense gives you type of passes, quarterbacks, change their whole arm motion. They either slow down their arm, they really start guiding the ball there, and it just doesn't come naturally out of their hands. And that was another thing, too, with me, with Levis, was on a lot of throws where, all right, it's one, two, three, get rid of the football fast, make a a quick decision. It just was not naturally coming out of his hand the way that I like it from my quarterbacks. But when the blitz was coming and he needs to kick, and that's when the athleticism and the natural ability kicks in, and he needs to make a play, and the alarm clock goes off, you say, wow, well, this was great right here. If he can channel that and an NFL coaching staff can get with him and clean up those areas of his games, the much more the more conventional um, qualities that you look for in a quarterback, I think this kid is definitely a franchise quarterback. I just hope he lands for his sake in the right spot. But if you're drafting him and you start him in the first month of the year, I just I don't think it's going to go well personally, but we'll see. And you literally took away my 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 follow up question before we're going to move on to Hendon Hooker. Uh, he needs to be in a spot where there is an elite quarterback coach or offensive coordinator that will be able to really help him. And I think yeah. when I mocked him to 16 with Washington, that's perfect for him with Beanie Annie. I think I think that is that is perfect. I don't know if Washington is going to necessarily jump all the way up to do that i think maybe they're kind of set on sam howell i don't know i i wouldn't be but yeah i yeah that could be a really good spot for him atlanta could be a good spot for him if they decide that they're finally gonna go quarterback play though in both spots his rookie year i I don't i I personally think the raiders are the best spot for him with josh mcdaniels you have jimmy garoppolo there for a year i think if seattle is looking to draft a quarterback i think they might have some better options than him with Pete Carroll and company there. You have Geno for sure for a year. I think he needs a spot where, okay, the starter will play the year, and then next year it's your type of team. Whereas with C- with Washington and Ron Ron Rivera, new ownership is coming in. Not a great fit for me. I know Eric Bieniemy is a good offensive coordinator. Not exactly a quarterback whisperer either. He's more of a running backs background. I'm not sure. trying to completely discredit the guy. But I don't love that fit. Arthur Smith in Atlanta, eh, I don't know. I don't know how good Desmond Ritter is. The kid will probably get asked to play at some point throughout the year. Whereas with Vegas, you have Jimmy Garoppolo for the year, bearing any injuries. We know how Jimmy G is. Maybe they sign another backup as well in Las Vegas where you're really not asking the kid to do too much. If the kid wins the backup job at a training camp, that's great and all. Um, but I would say the Raiders and – who else did I say that has a, a – and Seattle – yeah. would be my uh, my favorite two spots for this guy. 
no doubt. Somebody actually said the New York Jets, if he falls to 13, and he sits behind Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, but um, the Jets need to win right now. They need a guy that can help them win right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, the whole thing of you know having then Will Levis with Zach and yeah. Rogers. That's that just seems it's like too a, much. one it's big too mess. Much. Yeah, it's too much. He's a good. He's listen. He's a he's a good prospect. I'm not trying to completely say that this kid sucks. I mean, I put the kid in the top five. It's not. It's not like I ranked him as like a day two or three. Like I, yeah. I definitely think there's things to like here. But is he that good of a prospect where the circus is warranted for the New York Jets? I don't think so. I think that they should look at other alternatives. Well, well, we're we're and you make a good point where you know when we say we're ranking a guy outside the the top two or ranking him at five or in some cases you know where, where you know we get to the running backs and to the receivers over the next week or so. They're going to be guys that we like that are outside of our top fives. And then we're not, we're not saying that those guys are bad prospects by any means. We're just saying that there are guys that are, that are better than them. And I think with the quarterbacks, as we mentioned before, and as we spoke, you know, glowingly about both of them, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are just head and shoulders over the likes of Will Levis and, and, and company. And that's, that's no knock. I mean, Will Levis, <laughs> Will Levis is going to be a multimillionaire regardless yeah. So I mean, it's 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 not like at the at the end of the day he's going to be suffering all that much. But you know, there there are things that you know where Stroud and Young are are pretty polished. The next guys after that are not as polished. And you know, this is a great segue in going into uh, the next guy we're talking about. That's Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. Obviously, some major medical question marks with him after he suffered the ACL tear against South Carolina. That is obviously going to be talked about uh, more in depth a bit later on. Um, but for me, Jake, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll actually uh, take this one and then you could you could follow up with any other thoughts that you have. Uh, number one, the biggest the biggest thing that I think a lot of scouts are going to look at. I know I definitely saw it is that at the University of Tennessee, they do not run a pro style offense. They have their own version of what they consider to work for them and the learning curve for me going to the next level is what is going to hamper Hendon Hooker a little bit that's number one and then to couple that number two it is not like Hendon Hooker has a lot of prime years with him where you're looking at Bryce Young and you're looking at CJ Stroud who are in their early 20s Hendon Hooker on draft day is going to be 25 years old so that is also a major concern. The ACL is obviously is obviously an issue, especially with someone that really relies on his excellent athletic ability. She's got a really good arm, uh, nice hands, doesn't really have a, much of a fumbling problem, can make all the throws, short, intermediate, deep throws. He has no problems making them. Outside of the pocket, I was pleasantly surprised, and I, I watched – enough Tennessee football where I saw, you know, okay, he was able to get outside the pocket. His athletic ability really helped him there. But then there were other other Tennessee games that I did not watch. And he really did show that he is a threat outside of the pocket. He's not the level of, let's say, an Anthony Richardson, who we'll be talking about uh, in a minute. But before the ACL, he was putting up really, really good numbers. And you want to talk about the game to watch with Hendon Hooker? It's that Alabama game where he put up five touchdowns. But then the downside is then look at the game a few weeks later 
when he went up against Georgia. It's the good and the bad. So uh, I think he's going to be a very solid prospect. I don't know if he's a guy that I'm necessarily looking to build my franchise around. Could he be a very solid starter where you're talking about having him on a rookie on a rookie contract that takes him to his his age 30 season and then you give him a contract at the end of that possibly i think Ennon hooker definitely has the possibility though to potentially sneak into the back end of the first round i think you know there are a lot of people that are talking about four four locked and loaded quarterbacks that are going to be going in round one i think my number is five and i think Hendon hooker might end up being that fifth quarterback that sneaks in here and is potentially drafted night one of the draft. Yeah, I think if he was healthy, I would probably believe that a lot more. I think he will be ready. And he's also said that he'll be ready for training camp, which I Mm -hmm. think is big. Again, I'm not, there's, there are two things that I guess are we kind of disagree on in terms of prospects. Number one, especially for quarterbacks age. Yeah. He's going to be 25 on draft night. All right, like, well, all right, yeah, maybe another guy will have an extra two to three years on their career. Fine. Kirk Cousins is 33, 34. He's still playing at a high yeah. level. There's a lot of guys that – pitchers in baseball are a lot like quarterbacks where it seems like once they get over 30, they start to play better. Then, I don't know, it's just from what I've been seeing a lot lately is these quarterbacks, once they get over 30, they're still playing at a very high level. They're not necessarily like hitting the freaking cliff and falling off. So the age, it is what it is there. If anything, I think, and honestly, this is a big thing too, what a lot of people raved about him at Tennessee. He's a very naturally born leader, and he's a very mature kid. I think he's a franchise quarterback. When I watch him throw the ball, he has an absolute hose of an arm. He has, man, he can throw the ball. From the amount of throws that I just saw that were like 40, 50 yards, just purely in the air, under pressure, in stride, dropping it right in the basket on a dime. Insane. He was the Heisman Trophy winner before he got hurt, arguably. I mean, you look at the game against Alabama. Yeah, he absolutely gashed them, no doubt about it. But then look at the game against Florida. He did the same thing to them as well. Going head to head against the guy that everybody's drafting in the first round, Anthony Richardson. So with with the Georgia game, all right, but how many quarterbacks necessarily showed out against the Georgia defense than the Dogs last year? It, it really? Not many. Not many. Not, CJ Stroud and... And, and that, that's just about it. So, yeah, yeah that wasn't a great game. I'm not going to necessarily kill the kid for that right there, especially, and we talk about it all the time, he didn't, I get it, he had a guy that's, that could go in the first round at wide receiver, but he didn't have the greatest talent around him at Tennessee. And as far as the offense goes, I disagree with you a little bit because yes, we kind of say all the time pro style offense, but these pro style offenses are becoming more and more like college offenses because we don't have the time for these kids to learn in the NFL. We need to make them, in the environment that makes them most comfortable. And if we can put college concepts in our pro offense and tweak it and good, and you see this all the time with the good coaches in the NFL, they do it. And if they do a good job, you see the results on the field. And that's why I think this kid is ready to play right away. I mean, what he's coming back, maybe not right away coming off of the ACL injury. You look at some fits around the league. Um, 
some teams drafting late in the first round. Who, who are some ones that could come to mind here? I, I think maybe Minnesota makes a lot of sense. If you if you want someone to sit behind Kirk Cousins, who's in a contract here, I love the fit there. Somebody with a quarterback future that is murky is going to draft this kid, either trading back into the first round or on day two sometime, and they're going to get a steal. Honestly, I really like this kid. I think that this kid is really getting slept on, and I think the more and more – we learn that he's healthy in the draft. His stock is going to go up because he's a physical specimen that can run. Throw. He's a big kid. Yeah, the durability, you worry about the, the, knee, the knee injury, but an ACL is not necessarily, it's not like the Achilles in this day and age that completely sure. hampers your explosiveness when you come back. Players come back from that, no problem. So I, I this kid is a big-time quarterback, man. I, I really, really like this kid. I wish we could have saw him more throughout the year because I think I could have moved him as high as, not not as high as, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, but there there's a chance that I could have ranked him as my number three quarterback. So I think two other fits, and you mentioned teams that, you know, have murky quarterback situations that could be at the back end of round one. There are two teams that immediately jump off the page, one that has a first round pick and one that doesn't. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers that have Baker yep. Mayfield right now as their bridge guy. They could bring Head and Hooker in and Baker Mayfield could be the guy for the year. That's that's number one. And then number two, how about the Los Angeles Rams? Interesting with the Rams. I think the Rams are picking a lot later. Uh, actually, not a lot. I mean, they have a second round pick that should be pretty high, right? It well, yeah, they would have they would have to trade in probably to the first round if they want Hooker, or if he falls out of the first round, you could always trade up on on day two. That's not out yeah. of the equation. I, I really like that fit right there with Sean McVay. Sean McVay hasn't really had a, an athlete quite like this either. I I like that a lot because for. Listen, it's not like you really need to teach this kid a throw from the pocket. This kid can throw from anywhere on the field. <laughs> he can just flat out throw. Now, there are a couple of things where we need to kind of make him play more with structure and mm-hmm. the schoolyard antics. And you saw a lot of schoolyard stuff with him where, yes, that's great and all, but in the pros, that play is dead. You, you probably sure. can't get away with making that throw in the pro. You kind of need to reel him in a little bit. If that makes sense, if you can reel him in and get him playing more of a and while I say that the college concepts, they're concepts, it's not a college offense that are in the pros. If that makes sense, you need to really reel this kid in and put a little bit more structure around him. And I, I think you got yourself a franchise quarterback This this kid's ready to go. All right, so let's load up. It's Anthony Richardson time. OK. I will preface this, and I will put it out there right away. Anthony Richardson is not my cup of tea. I know that he is a lot of people's cup of tea. Anthony Richardson is going to be a top 10 pick in this draft because he is by far and away, I will put this out there right now, have it be consumed by everybody, by far, he is the most athletic and he has the highest upside out of anybody in this draft. Super, super high end where everything goes together. You piece everything together and it falls into place perfectly. Anthony Richardson has the chance to be the best quarterback in this entire class. Want to throw that out there right away. Because of the measurables he tested out of the gym at the combine. The elite speed. Solid height, outstanding arm strength. Physically, he is basically perfect physically. And the athleticism 
ridiculous. The ability to get outside the pocket, make plays with his feet. Love it. Anybody who loves your Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson sort of style of quarterback, Anthony Richardson is is your guy. He's going to be flashy. He is your flashy quarterback prospect. Now the downside. As a passer, I don't think I would have Anthony Richardson as a top seven or eight prospect in this draft. Very, very raw as a passer. Coming into the year, he threw only 66 passes before coming into this year. Granted, he did get better. He did progress as a passer throughout the throughout the year. The mechanics are very hot and cold. He needs to go to a place where they are going to really shape him and really mold him into becoming this mechanics freak. The football IQ, able to recognize plays, diagnose plays, it was a little lacking compared to the rest. I almost put him in that same group as as Will Levis in in a way. Um, he just was very inconsistent, and the throwing to, for me was not it. The, he missed so many open receivers that I saw. Again, the accuracy is a big issue, but again, it also was a big issue for most talent evaluators with Josh Allen when he came in, and everyone knows at this point, accuracy is not a not a huge thing for me. The throwing mechanics, has have they've got to improve. He's not a consistent drop-back passer. That worries me. The release is good, but he still doesn't he he has the ability and i saw it a couple times on film where when he gets put under pressure he has the ability to double clutch and either throw up a soft interception or he's getting taken down for for a sack when he knows he, he's better off just trying to get the ball anywhere and anywhere and get it out of play into safe hands and you know lift the play for another down so i'm curious to hear what what, what jake has to say but for me uh anthony richardson is not my cup of tea i understand the the flashiness of him um, he is the kind of modern day NFL quarterback that a lot of people love. I get that. Uh, but for me, he, he, it's not for me. Well, my, uh, rebuttal to all that is, yeah, well, we're, while we're looking for guys that are gifted passers and guys that can just flat out throw the, the living piss out of the football, I can curse on here. Yeah, you can curse um, on here. We, we would <laughs> E next to our name for a reason. Uh, uh yeah, that's all great. But if you're not the most gifted passer and you don't do that particularly well, well, you need to do something pretty exceptional. And when I mean pretty exceptional, you need to do something flat out near unheard of to be mentioned as a top 10, and I, in my opinion, a top five pick in this draft. And that's what Anthony Richardson does. His ability to run and his athleticism is making up for his flaws as a passer and can buy him time in the league to develop as a passer. We need to put this kid and I'm praying to God. I would love to see this fit. We need to put this kid in an offense similar to what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. We need to throw away almost all of our pro concepts. And this is very rare. You usually don't do this for a prospect that we talked we talked about uh Hendon hooker. He's not nearly as, as gifted as this kid as an athlete. But when you see somebody that runs, I think it was a 4-4 at, at something pretty unheard of for a quarterback. And this big, with he's got a very strong arm, may not be the most accurate, may not look the cleanest, but it's strong. There, there's no doubt about it. And it's a live arm. When you see a kid like this, 
you need to build the entire offense around this kid. I'm talking numerous RPOs. We're talking triple option. We're talking all these big bags of tricks. You need to dig deep in the bag of tricks for this kid on a weekly basis and draw things up to put him in a position to succeed, to kind of mask his flaws as a passer like we did with Lamar Jackson, his rookie year, his second year, because over time, you have faith in your coaching staff to really work with this kid and get him to where he needs to be as a passer. That's what you need to do with this kid. And the fit that really just and, – and also another thing is, yeah, he's not the greatest pocket passer, and he'll probably never be a pocket passer, but that's okay. When you're this good outside of the pocket and when you're this good in design quarterback runs and you can pretty much design your whole rushing attack – around this one particular player on top of who you have in the backfield, that's fine. You don't need to be the best pocket passer. Is Jalen Hurts the best pocket passer in Philadelphia? No, he's he's all right. He's gotten a lot better from his rookie year. There's no doubt about it. Lamar Jackson, he's never going to be the best pocket passer in the league. And who's to say that this kid, who's a better athlete than both of those two guys, cannot be at that level of quarterback? That the, that uh, Hurts, who was – now he wasn't the, the MVP, but – he was close to being the MVP. This guy, Patrick Mahomes, is pretty good. And yeah. Lamar Jackson was the MVP. This is the level that I think this kid can make it to in the right fit. And to me, it's Shane Steichen in, in the in the Indianapolis Colts, who worked a lot with Jalen Hurts. And we saw Doug Peterson his rookie year. It was just telling Jalen Hurts, hey, let's just be, you know, Johnny Smith quarterback, whatever. You need to do this. And it, there really wasn't a lot of excitement in the offense. And that's no knock to Doug Peterson. That's just not his type of system. Doug Peterson likes quarterbacks, and he has a few design runs in there to keep defenses honest, like we saw for Trevor Lawrence. Sure. But a guy like this, that's a run-first quarterback where you need to build just not only the whole, not even the whole offense. You need to build the whole football team around this kid. You need a defense. You need an offensive line. You need to play smash-mouth, ground-and-pound football, control the clock, play great defense, the time of possession is everything. Win the turnover battle. Get this kid a few more chances. And I think this kid is going to be a great quarterback. I really have a lot of faith um, that this kid can get there. Seriously. But there's no doubt. I, I agree with everything you said. But my in my opinion, it's stuff that it can be masked and developed over time because he just does so many things almost generationally well. And you, and you stole my thunder too with the Shane Steichen in Indianapolis Colts fit. Love that fit. That, that is that is the absolute best case scenario yeah. for him, with without much of a doubt. And I would I would even say to a much lesser extent, and I don't think they're gonna they're gonna look this way. But even Atlanta too with Arthur Smith, I wouldn't mind that all that much. But I completely agree with you, Shane Steichen, the Indianapolis Colts. That is the fit for Anthony Richardson. That is just a home run waiting to happen for the Indianapolis Colts. And I, I think, you know, going back and just, you know, more focusing now on what he does really well, he's a lot like Will Levis in terms of he can make, he can make every throw. It's just, yeah. can he make those throws consistently? That's the, that's the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah, from a, from a thrower, I you know I thought Levis was more of a natural passer than him. Agreed, no doubt about it. Um, but as a runner, as a pure athlete, and we're not—I'm not just talking as like a straight line runner either. I'm talking about dynamic with the football in your hands. 
making guys miss, running over guys. Like this kid needs to do a better job at avoiding contact at the next level to stay healthy. It's not even it's not even comparable, in my opinion. This kid right away can I don't even think this kid needs to sit. I honestly think that we should let this kid go out there right away and play because you can be a competitive football team with this kid the way he plays. I mean, we see Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a good athlete, no doubt about it. Is he this kid? Absolutely not. And if I'm the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson is whining and crying and wants to get out of town, I I seriously think I seriously think of a way to perhaps get my hands on this kid. And if you have a, a, a strategy in place with whatever trade partner there is to get up to a point where you're comfortable, maybe number three with the Arizona Cardinals, I I would I don't I don't know what you're waiting for, honestly. This kid on a rookie deal compared to Lamar Jackson on a fully guaranteed contract. I don't know. With with Richardson, he, he, he I think the biggest thing with him also is that with Todd Munkin, huh? Yeah, great fit. Yeah, and you say that he has to protect himself, but I also think he's pretty big. He he doesn't have that Lamar Jackson syndrome where it's yeah tall but lanky. He you just don't want your quarterbacks like we we're yes. seeing with Josh Allen right now. Yeah, that's Buffalo. exactly it. That's exactly it's just, it. You don't want your quarterbacks taking hits like this. Like you're right. paying. And, you have, and now you have Sean McDermott who's saying that he wants to see Josh Allen take fewer hits. Is that going to happen? Probably not. But, I mean, Richardson is 6'4", 240. He's built like a linebacker. It has the elite speed of a wideout. Like that that combo just right there in and of itself, it, it, it could be a difference maker for a team. Absolutely. Yep. But the fit is so key to this because if you, you have, if you're team. putting him in an offense where you are expecting him to be not, I'm not even talking about a high volume passer. Let's just settle for a medium volume passer. It's not going to work. I, I agree with Jake hundred percent. You need to incorporate your options. You need to incorporate your, your QB designed runs. You need to make sure that you're going to do everything in your power to get this kid into space with the ball in his hand. And that is how the magic gets done. Yeah. And, and that's just early on for me. I think he can develop to become a high volume passer. Yeah, we, sure. so, we see this with guys all the time. Early yes, on, yes, I agree with you. But that's why the fit is everything because he needs to develop as a passer. But he's a good enough athlete and a good enough football player where you can play him early on. And yeah. all that will start coming with reps and just day in and day out the same philosophies it'll click with that kid if you really know how to coach yes yes without a doubt and if and and you know just putting the bow on this if you're looking for I, i'm a bit worried that he is one of those guys where it's like if it doesn't pan out this gets a gm and a coach fired but at the same that, time maybe a guy that that yeah that, maybe a guy that it. hasn't worked out that hasn't got yeah, a coach or a gm fired maybe zach wilson but outside of but, that yeah yes that's that's the other side to it is, you know, if if CJ Stroud or Bryce Young don't pan out and it, it, it's 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 the same thing. Uh, but Richardson is without a doubt is, is putting a bow on this and, and circling this all back without a doubt by far and away. He is the has the highest ceiling out of anybody in this class. Uh, and let's just touch on on our sleepers very quickly. Um, my Clayton Toon. It's very simple. He put he put up unbelievable numbers with Houston clutch gene. There's so many fourth quarter drives that he that he led uh, could make all the throws confident in the pocket, a leader, really, really vocal on the sideline. I really, really like that. And I think 
he could definitely turn into a guy that we've seen it with Houston quarterbacks where their numbers are definitely inflated in college and they come to the pros and it doesn't necessarily pan out. I think Clayton Toon at the end of the day, I'm not saying that he's going to be a starter or a guy that, that, you know, is responsible for keeping a program afloat in the National Football League, but can he develop into a a confident enough backup quarterback where he has a role that can come in and potentially win you some games if need be? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Uh, and now Stetson Bennett uh, for you, Jake. Stetson Bennett for me is my number eight quarterback. Um, I have some underlying concerns with with the uh, with Stetson Bennett, and we also t- talk about uh, Tanner McKee at some point as well. But Jake, uh, your analysis on uh, Stetson Bennett, the reigning back to back national champion. Stetson Bennett can fucking play. That's that's <laughs> what I like. That's like the I, seriously. I know it sounds com, com, totally cliche, but the rap on this guy is, is just so unfair. When, when I sit back and I watch Judson Bennett play, I think, okay, does he make good decisions? Superb decisions. He this, this guy is awesome. This guy's football IQ is off the charts. Okay, he's got that. Does this kid have nice throwing mechanics? Really sound throwing mechanics, actually. Yes. Yeah, I like that. Does it, can this kid move a little bit? Sure, he's not the greatest athlete, but sneaky good athlete. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, sneaky good athlete. Okay, that that's not bad either. I don't think he's a total statue back there. Does this guy throw a nice, let's just call it fastball? Does this guy throw it between the numbers? Does this guy have close to pinpoint accuracy? Is this guy just completely nailing the layups? Yeah, in his sleep. This guy can make any easy throw in his sleep. Yeah, sure. He's not going to roll out of the pocket and do all these highlight reel things that'll get you on Sports Center and create the best highlight reel. But this kid can drop back and thread the needle like none other. May not have the greatest fastball. May not have the most live arm out of all these guys. May not be able to throw the deep, the deepest ball. He may not have the strongest arm. Hell, he's he's got a pretty weak arm, as a matter of fact. But... When you take into account everything that he does well, this kid's a starting quarterback in the National Football League. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And the rap that he's getting is, it's a joke. I get it. What is he, 25 now? I yep. even look at his age because that's how irrelevant it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, Hendon Hooker's 25 too. I was just going on a rant about how age is nothing but a number for me. If anything, that's a plus because the kid's been around, right? with the University of Georgia learning from Todd Munkin. You don't think he learned a lot about how to play the quarterback position there? So for me, just very unfairly criticized. And maybe if he was a different, I don't I don't want to go there, but if things were a little different, I think people would be judging him a lot differently. This kid to me needs to be on almost every single draft board in the National Football League, whether you have a quarterback or not. The worst case scenario with this kid, you have a high level backup for years to come. And a guy that can just completely wow you on the chalkboard with his football IQ and everything that he's learned throughout his many years of playing football at such a high-level program like Georgia. But uh, this kid can play, ladies and gentlemen. And, and he's a sneaky good athlete, too. Don't tell me, oh, well, you need a quarterback that can move. This kid can move a little bit. Yeah, sure, he's not <laughs> he's not this superb athlete, but he can move. He, he, he can definitely move a little bit. Yes, yes. And I, I think Jake really hit the nail on the head. Uh, perfectly, even though I don't think that he is a starter at the next level. I think he's a little small. The the 190 pounds really kind of turns me off to that. Uh, we'll definitely have to bulk up 
at the next level, but the 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 height thing doesn't really bother me. Five eleven, you know, it's, it's it it is what it is. You know, I, that's something that you that you necessarily can't control. Can play. He's he's a leader. Football IQ is off the charts. The deep ball accuracy, it's hit or it's he, hit or miss. But he does not Jake have said, the he does not have the strongest arm. Not even yes, close. It, as you said, Jake, you wanted to make every every throw five yards downfield to twenty yards downfield. He's making all those throws. He, like he's a phenomenal. He's a phenomenal orchestrator of the offense. Yes. He will play within the offense just as good as anybody. And you put him in an offense with a ton of structure and a lot of short and intermediate, a lot of it's kind of like a West Coast traditional West Coast offense. This kid will play within that offense to such a high level and he yeah. will not lose you football games. And that's what yeah. a big thing that a lot of coaches look for. Absolutely. And I, I think his his ceiling is going to be very much of the ilk that he's going to be a a career backup quarterback where he comes in and a team doesn't skip a beat. You know, I, I really, really am intrigued by what Stetson Bennett can do at the next level. And, I, and even though I'm not the biggest Stetson Bennett guy, I do agree that he does get a very, very bad rap uh, for whatever reason. I don't know. The one thing that you can't take away from anybody and, and you can say that they're not the most skilled or their measurables aren't that great. They can't make the throws. Their footwork footwork sucks. They can't recognize a play. Yada 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 yada. You can't take away two things. Number one, you can't take you can't take away a God given ability to lead, and then number two, you cannot take away a God given ability to win. And Stetson Bennett has both of those things in his back pocket, and that that is something that he should be given a ton a ton of credit for. Uh, very quickly. Very quickly before we go into uh, the this, the QB needy teams, um, Tanner McKee. Very quickly, he's the, a, a consensus guy that we think is probably that you know most of the drafting community thinks is the best of the rest. Uh, for me, he's like a second or a, th- or a third round pick, not a top five guy. The football IQ really wasn't there. The throws really weren't that impressive. He's just a very safe option. I think again. Can he be a can he be a guy that potentially starts some games in the National Football League? Yeah, sure. But at the end of the day, he just is not the kind of guy that I think is really wowing me, like a Hennon Hooker, Richardson, Levison, and and so on. Yeah, he didn't end the year very good either for me either. I thought he was better on better early on in the year. Nothing really spectacular that he does, in my opinion. I understand how he's getting all this praise, and Stetson Bennett doesn't early on in the process, but. Nothing phenomenal, nothing where you're going to go, yeah, we need to draft this kid pretty high in the draft. Can he be a guy that can have a have a long year uh, career in the National Football League? Sure. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but uh, we're, we're talking about guys that can, uh, in our top five, that is, that can really elevate a franchise and have some real special abilities and traits and attributes. That doesn't necessarily jump off the page here with Henry Key. So now let's have a look at the teams that could necessarily need a quarterback. And we basically hit on a bunch of them. Uh, Carolina, Houston, Indianapolis, Atlanta can look in that direction. Washington, I would expect to be looking in that direction as well. But then, Jake, are there any other teams that you think could could very quietly be in the market, potentially, and looking at quarterbacks that we haven't mentioned? Minnesota, I, I could definitely see taking a guy on day two or three. We even saw it with Kellen Mond a couple of years ago. He didn't pan out, even though I liked Kellen Mond at a college. Um, I would say Minnesota, the Rams, 
Another sleeper, maybe the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler won't play this year. Maybe they want to get a look at a guy before they really commit to paying Kyler big money. It's a new regime in Arizona. Who knows? Uh, the New York Jets, they're interesting, but maybe not so much this year for a quarterback. Maybe next year they'll draft the quarterback. I think they're trying to get guys that can help them win now. So I, I, I don't think I would count on them. And then in the AFC, I just not a lot of teams need a quarterback in the AFC. It's more so the NFC that that is quarterback hungry right now for me. Just spit, just spitballing. I know they draft they drafted a quarterback last year, but do you think the Tennessee Titans could be in the market for one? Maybe. I just don't think that they are in the position, and I think they're not really so far out on Malik. It wasn't fair that Malik Willis even played last year. We talked about it in the draft that. He's not even close to being ready to play. And I think they know that. And there's a new offensive staff coming in to Tennessee as well. Maybe somebody that can develop Malik Willis. So I don't think so. I think that they're kind of done with the whole, let's draft the quarterback on day two or three. It's kind of, all right, let's try and win this year with Ryan Tannehill. We have Malik Willis. And then if things don't really go our way, we'll have a high pick next year in the draft and we can draft one of these quarterbacks. So I'm not so sure about that one there. Um, yeah, I, the, the outside of Tennessee in the AFC, yeah, there, there's just not a lot of teams. Maybe the Denver Broncos are a little interesting. Sure. I, I wouldn't sleep on them. Maybe drafting a quarterback, maybe Miami as well as, as kind of a real sleeper. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a very – Interesting draft with these quarterbacks. I'm I'm excited. And I hope they all go to spots that that they can succeed in because I think there's a spot for each and every single one of them where you can say that's a really nice fit there. Now, will they all go to the best spots for them? Absolutely not. And we will yeah. be coming on and doing a podcast afterwards and talking about how so and so went to so and where, and it's a terrible fit for them. And good luck to their careers. <laughs> sort of Listen, I, I'm really confident though that our that there's going to be about three guys in my top five that will go to the best spots for him. Pretty confident in that. So, right. well, let's hope, let's hope for it. So, and that is that's going to be it for our quarterback show, Jake. The the quarterback show done and dusted. See you next year. Yeah. <laughs> so that is going to be it for this edition of the Baseball Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. If you like what you heard, leave a five-star review, subscribe, tell us how much, how much you love the program. Later this week, you'll be hearing Jake and I talk about the running back prospects, and that obviously includes Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs out of the University of Texas and the University of Alabama, respectively, who else will be in there. You have to tune in and find out. And then next week, we will only be doing one episode next week of the prospect reports. Adam and I will be doing, of course, a Basement Talk podcast next week to fill in the void as of course it is easter and so and of course passover as well so we will be uh just doing that on a pretty uh low schedule so we'll be doing the pass catcher episode next week that'll be out in inboxes on either monday or tuesday and then eventually basement talk podcast will be out later that week as well and then we come back the following week where we start the defensive side of the ball. And eventually, once we get through all the defensive groups, it will be mock draft time. The way the mock drafts are going to work this year is 
Jake will get his mock draft on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. So we will be doing that on there. And then Adam and I, as usual, we will be doing our mocks on the Basement Talk Podcast the night before round one. So that will be on April 26th. So that's it. We're done. We're out of here. For Jake, I'm Bird. Thank you so much for listening to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. And we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.